Well, today we kick off our series called Promises, and uh, super excited to share God's word with you this morning, and this is going to be for eight weeks. We're going to be in this journey together. This journey uh, centers around a lot of different things. We have a, we have a study guide, uh, a, a group guide for you to take home today, and so this can be done with your spouse. It can be done with some coworkers. It can be done in a life group, and I know that life groups have kicked off, and they're going, and so join a life group, do life with people, get through that, see what God will do. I know Stephanie will talk more about that after service. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 is where we're going to be today. And uh, I'm a, I know that this is going to be a chapter that we go back to often throughout this series as we're going to revisit it as we go into promises. Uh, I know that Will's going to be preaching one Sunday, our, one of our campus ministers, Pastor Edgar, Pastor Austin, myself. So it's a team effort to bring God's word. I love that we get to utilize different voices from the pulpit, different generations, different walks of life to communicate God's word to us. And, uh, and I love it because his word never changes, uh, but it's nice when you can hear his word maybe from some different people as well. It helped you maybe receive it in a different way. Um, but I, just, I know that this series is a series on covenant. It's a series on promises. It's a series that is going to take us on a journey. And, uh, and, and we all in life make important decisions, don't we? Have you ever made an important decision in life? Anybody? Yes, a few of us have made some important decisions. I met some Californians move here today. Um, they moved here recently. That was an important decision. I want to say it was the right decision. Welcome to Texas. And uh, we're so glad that you're here. The greatest nation on earth right here in Texas. We all make important decisions in life. Uh, college students, you made an important decision when you when you decided what school you were going to, and you took out those eighty thousand dollars of student loans, and you decided to go, and you made this decision. We have some collegiate athletes in here, and you made an important decision on signing day that this is the time that you were going to commit to be an athlete at this university. Some of us have uh, moved into the workplace, and we got our first contract. Do you remember your first work contract? You negotiated your salary. They, they met you halfway, and you're, there you are with an important decision about to sign some papers. I remember one important decision in my life. It was when I bought my first house. The whole idea of thinking six figures that I was going to be in debt buying this house. I believe my house was $118,000. 118000 It was during the Great Recession, praise God. The Lord knew when I should buy. And it was in that moment that, that I was signing this paper. It was a big decision. It was a big moment. We've all made big decisions in our life. We've all made important decisions that have really defined our life. And this is true for all of us. One important decision that I made, and I would say it's the second most important decision of my life, is when I asked Brandy Chapman to marry me. Now, I mean, it was a big decision. It was a big moment. Now, I know there's a huge fad right now when it comes to proposals, right? You hire a photographer, not for the wedding, but for the proposal. You, you get a videographer over there. You try to get some drone footage, you know, some satellite images. You do all this to make it extra special. We didn't have all that, but I knew that this was a big decision. I wanted to make it a big deal. I mean, I ended up uh, making, uh, she was a softball player, a collegiate softball player, and so I made a diamond 
out of rose petals. I put, I put the chair right there on the pitcher's mount because she was a pitcher. And I said, babe, this is it. I brought her over there. My heart's racing. Y'all remember that moment? Any guys in here remember that moment? It's before you could propose on Instagram. You know, it's like you had to do it in person. And, and, and I was so nervous about this moment, so nervous. And there I did. I did, the, I did the deed. I knew that this was a big moment, and I was sweating out of every pore of my body. And I got down on one knee, and I said, you know, your whole life you spent time on this, on this diamond in the middle of this but I want you to spend the rest of your life with this diamond right here. And I, I don't think I said it that well. I think I fumbled through it. And she said, yes, of course. And we danced and we did all those things. But it was a big decision. It was a big promise that I was entering into. I was promising that I was going to enter into a, a, a marriage, a covenant for the rest of my life till death do us part. And I believe I'll die first, so it'll be me to go first. Praise God. It was this moment. It was this promise. It was this, it was this decision that meant everything. And today, 14 years later, it still means everything. It's this covenant that I've laid down my life for. And that's what this series is about. It's not about... A, a wedding covenant. It's actually about a greater covenant, a promise from God, that God is a promise-keeping God. This is what we're going to talk about over the next eight weeks, that he's a promise-keeping God. We're going to also learn that the biblical word for promise is covenant. There's this biblical word that is, is not contractual. It's not a promise. It's actually stronger than that. It's this language of covenant. And to understand God and his word, we have to understand the importance of covenant. That this is very important to understand and to digest. And it's why we're spending eight weeks on it to get into this theme throughout the Bible that God has set up. And we see this theme throughout the Bible. You know, we studied divine reversals just a few weeks ago, and we saw the theme of irony. Here is a theme of covenant that we're walking through that I think is very important because it's going to help us see clearly. How many of you want to see clearly? I, I, I remember driving my car, and, and the butterflies, the monarch butterflies were everywhere. They were so beautiful until they started hitting my windshield. You know what I mean? It's like, man, you're so pretty. Oh, my goodness, you're all over my windshield. And I can't see. It is, it is muddy, and it is, it's so gross, and I just feel so bad. And then what do you do when your windshield's covered with bugs? You turn on your wipers, and then you try to spray them off, and it just makes things messier. And, and this is oftentimes what we do in life is we go through life with a messy windshield. We go through life not seeing clearly. We go through life just trying to make it through trying to fumble our way through, and we're going slower than we were meant to go. Actually, God has a pace for you that's probably a lot faster than you could imagine. You see, because his kingdom is alive, and his kingdom wants to spread, and it wants to affect people. You realize, look to your left, look to your right. How many of you have an empty chair next to you? You realize there's somebody that the kingdom wants to draw into that chair. So that they hear the gospel and that God would start setting them free and their life would be forever changed. How many of you, your life has been changed? Raise your hand by God. 
Amen. Look at that. Keep it up. Keep it up. Look around. Everybody's life in here, you have been changed by the living God. Do you remember the moment when you were going through life and your windshield was dirty and it was hard to see through? And it was as though you were driving alone and you were driving fearful and you were driving in this moment of hesitancy. I want to tell you, God wants to clear up the windshield and his covenant and knowing his promises helps you walk in a victory like you may have not walked in before. And not just for you, because some of you have tasted and seen this great victory from a great God. But there's others who are out there driving recklessly, driving slowly. And God is going to move in a way to show up to bring this covenant. Deuteronomy 7.9 says this. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. How many know a thousand is a lot in the Bible? It's a lot. When you hear the word thousand, you're you're hearing the word that his promises are forever. His promises just keep going. They keep moving. They're unending. They're more than you can count, more than you'll live in your earthly life. They're going to outlive you. How many know it's a good thing when God's promises outlive you? It's helpful because all of a sudden you take back this Savior complex and realize that Jesus is the Savior. He's the one who's going to do it because when I'm gone, he's still doing it. He's still moving. Still showing up, still shaping lives. And love, in this verse, love was his motivation for his promise. God is love. He's love, the fullness of love. His character is not separated from love. He is love, and he loves his creation. And he's called his creation to love him back and to love others. I'm going to make a covenant with you. You're going to be my people. I'm doing this because I love you, because I see you, because I know you, because I formed you in your mother's womb, because I know your days, and I know all your doubts and all your insecurities, and I know what I put inside of you to bring something greater than what you may know already. I'm a God of the impossible. I start unlocking destiny and hope and dreams, and this is what covenant is, and Covenant is this definition. I'll read it. I think it's on the screen. It's a relational agreement, a partnership towards a specific purpose, treated with the utmost commitment and respect. On the wedding day, my wedding day, I was entering into a covenant. When I proposed to Brandy, I made a promise But the promise was this, is that I'm going to enter into a covenant with you. It's more than contractual. It's why it can't be legislated. It's more than that. It's something that God orchestrates and God does and God moves. It is God's blessing upon it. It's what God has for his people. This covenant that I was entering into with Brandy, it was one that had this vow. Uh, here's a, here's a, a line of vows. I believe this may be from the Methodist or Presbyterian. I can't remember. Maybe Presbyterian. It says this, I do promise and covenant before God and these witnesses to be your loving and faithful husband in plenty and in want 
in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live. Whoo, that's a long time. It's a long time. I feel like we're living a long time. How many of you feel like you're already on your third life? You know, it's like, man, this is a long time. We both shall live. The covenant is a guarantee that moves for an eternal place and an eternal existence. Covenant is moving us to a place that we don't give up easily in sickness and in health, in plenty and in want. And how many of you, some of y'all want something? Sometimes we want something. But it's covenant relationship. Covenant is what God's called us to. And it's what he has called us into with him. I know not all of us are going to stand on the altar and have vows to a husband or wife in this room. But I want to tell you, God is bringing his covenant to you. No matter who you are, where you are, God is presenting it to us. And this is what we can expect from God, that he's going to make a covenant and it's going to clear the lens and it's going to allow us to see him clearly. And in Hebrews chapter six, we read about we read about this letter. This letter may be, may be written by Paul. Um, we don't know the exact authorship of this letter, but it's written to uh, the Hebrew people. And what was happening is Hebrews were falling in love with God. They were having covenant and coming to know Jesus. And yet persecution was coming about. And all of a sudden, Christianity didn't become popular. Have you ever followed Christ when it was unpopular? You see, you'll really know your devotion, whether it's a trend or not a trend. If you could follow Jesus when persecution happens, when there's going to be stonings and killings and families are going to write you off when it costs you something. How many of you know that following Christ comes with a cost? It's not easy. Oh, yes, it's, it's free to follow Christ. Salvation is free. Your inheritance is free. Who you are is free. You did nothing to earn this salvation. But to walk it out is costly. How many people do we see in the Bible who walked away because the cost was so high? It was too high. So the writer of Hebrews is writing to them and said, hey, this is costing you something. But I want to explain covenant. I want to explain something to you that God will not give up on you. That God is for you. And in the persecution and in the affliction and in the moments, God is saying, hey, son, hey, daughter, I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, that is good, good news for us. The Hebrew scriptures um, talk about this old covenant. The Hebrew scriptures talk about this covenant that God made with Abraham. And then we enter into the New Testament, the new covenant, where he begins to say, hey, I am, I am changing some things and I'm making it new. I'm fulfilling what I said I would fulfill, some promises. How many of you are thankful that he fulfilled the promise? You know, I'm going to say this. I'm, I'm thankful that Brandy fulfilled her promise and met me at the altar. She didn't have to. A lot of better looking men out there, taller in stature and 
more elegant and more money and all those things. But she met me there. And God will meet you where he promised. And God's going to fulfill his covenant. It's why we're using the bride and groom this morning, this analogy, this illustration. Hebrews chapter 6, let's read in verse 13. It says this, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. This is amazing. God, there's nobody greater than him, so he just swears by himself because he is the greatest. I'm going to fulfill this promise. I'm going to make it known. I'm going to swear that this will happen, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to fulfill this. God has made the failure of promises impossible, one commentator said. God has made the failure of promises impossible. This is what it's talking about in verse 14. It says this, saying, surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves. And all their disputes, their arguments, an oath is final for confirmation. That God was coming through in this moment and he was swearing by himself. He was making this promise and he was yielding unto himself, which is the greatest power. And that's where integrity relies on is the, the whole idea of swearing to a higher power, a greater power, having some accountability that is greater than yourself. How many know if you're just accountable to yourself, you're not really accountable to nobody? Because I can promise one thing, but then I just lie. Now change it. I do that on the scale every morning. Okay. I always decrease it by five. Yielding to a higher power. I, I've been playing pickleball lately. Wednesday nights, I've been inviting some of you, and some of you have stood me up. But, you know, some of you have been faithful. You know, Stephen and Will. And, uh, and the other day, we had, we had some slacker stand us up, you know, taking care of his kids or something, you know, whatever that's about. Just kidding. So we brought Aisa. We brought Will's wife, Aisa, and we said, hey, you should come be our fourth. And there was all these controversial calls where the ball, right, was, was either in or out. And you know what we decided? Let's just yield to Aisa. Let her be the higher power, because if not, you know, Will's going to be miserable all week. So we just yield. We needed the referee. We needed somebody to say that. Otherwise, Will and Steven been arguing all night about where the ball went in or out. This is what God's doing. He, he's bringing a higher power to his covenant. He's making a promise. He's seeing it through, and he's, he's, he's accountable to it, and the integrity lies in his character. And how he rules. Verse 17. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. He started making the windshield clear. Started making this oath in verse 18. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. 
an anchor for the soul. This promise is an anchor. It moves us. You know, the, the big anchors on the big ships, you may recall those. They're the big metal kind of look like upside down T's with points on the side that sink to the bottom and hold the ship stationary so that when the when the waters begin to swell the boat begins to stay you know now they have like GPS anchors you know as long as you have enough power in the engine it just holds you there with GPS I don't like the GPS as much I need a big metal anchor And when I read this, I think about this big metal anchor that is holding us exactly where we need to be. This is God's promise for us. It's the hope. This hope. He is the ship that is holding us by this rope anchored to his truth by his covenant promises. However, when the storm comes... When the waves begin to rage, when life begins to happen in circumstances, we find ourselves tethered maybe to something else. We find that maybe we're anchored to something that is more fleeting, something more tossing. For those teenagers in here, those college students, those young adults who are in here, some of you may have been anchored to performance. Performance that you have to perform just right in order to have clarity. That you have to you have to perform in your athletic career, you have to perform in your job, you have to perform in school, you have to perform in your extracurriculars, you have to perform just right. That's been your anchor. Another anchor has been your pronouns. The way that you self-identify and that has been the, the moment and the way of you anchoring and trying to find this settlement in the storm. Some of it has been our peers where we're anchored to our peers, but we see when the storms come and it happens, it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't last. It's not getting us to where God wants us to be. We're constantly looking for the approval of our friends, the amount of likes that we have, the amount that they affirm us, and the amount that they speak into us. We're looking for cultural significance versus God significance. Cultural significance will toss you and move you. See, the Lord has something different and more for you. Moms and dads and families, sometimes we anchor ourselves, ourselves to our children. Where our level of contentment and our level of who we are is all conditional on how our kids are, on their accomplishments, on their degrees, on their platitudes, on all those things, their happiness. And if they're not happy, I'm not happy. And if they're angry, I'm angry. And so that could be the anchor that we have. Maybe it's your career. Your success, your financial goals, your awards and recognitions. Maybe it's your personal expressions, your happiness. Your anchor is a feeling. Maybe it's into an idol. Maybe it's into golf. 
Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's into something that has become so big and depending on how that goes in your life or doesn't go, presents your condition. But Jesus is saying this, that there is an anchor, a hope for your soul. And that anchor is a promise. Now, I want to be honest with you because I think it would be appropriate if I am. But in 2020, I was challenged. I was challenged. What am I anchored to? What is my security? What is my assurance? It felt like I would just go towards people's opinion. And then I would begin to be swayed by their opinions and their thoughts. I was swayed by what's on the news. I was swayed by so many things and and so many different insecurities that began to happen. 2021, uh, we were relaunching the church in the Palladium, and, and it was this moment of where is my hope? Is my hope in this relaunch? Is my hope in this moment? Are we going to make it? Are we, are we going to have it? Are we going to move through it? This year, it's been my son and his clinical anxiety and, and hiding under the desk every day at school and withdrawing him from school early, and it just felt like I was being tossed. You ever felt like that? You ever made decisions based on your circumstance? This next eight weeks is a plea that our decisions would be made in Jesus. That our decisions would be that Jesus is on the throne and he dictates and he begins to show where we should go. I need to quit trusting in people's opinion. I need to quit trusting in people's likes. They're canceling. I need to quit trusting in what culture is saying and all these identifiers. I need to quit trusting in all these idols and all these hobbies. I need to trust in Jesus. The author, perfecter of our faith. I prayed about whether we should talk about covenants earlier this year in Easter. I wanted to talk about this. I felt like God has this for us. This culture, this generation, the church we're building, that God's building, the disciples that we get the opportunity to join him in making. And the Lord told me to wait. And it's when we came across this series through a sister church milestone and promises and realized, yes, this is it. This is now. We need to do it now. So how do we experience this anchor for our soul? Two things. We must trust God above all other options. We must trust him. Lean into him. Believe that he is a God who does not lie. So when he makes a covenant and swears to himself, he will fulfill that covenant to his people. The second thing we need to do is we need to obey God. We need to obey him. We must trust and obey. And as the hymn says, for there is no other way. We will trust and obey. I want to pray for you this morning. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. And I realize there's several different people here this morning who came to church to worship Jesus with us. 
For some of you, it was you just never really trusted Jesus. You don't know him as Savior, as the one who could save you from your circumstance and save you from yourself and give you a new identity and a new purpose. The Bible would say, repent and turn away from everything God calls sin. Turn away and trust Jesus and watch him define your life. Ask him to come in and shape you. Declare with your mouth what is already happening in your heart. And salvation comes to your house this day. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray that prayer with an altar worker in a moment. And the second group of people I want to pray for this morning as we close is, are you being tossed right now? But you feel like the boat is drifting. It's not going up and down with the waves, but it's drifting. The windshield is unclear. You're lacking clarity. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If that's you, just put your hand on your heart as I pray for you. Father, I just thank you right now, Jesus. Father, for anybody who feels adrift right now, feels away, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would start setting them in motion. That you would start anchoring them in promise. That covenant would be realized God, not just in their mind intellectually, but in their emotions, deep in their soul, deep in our soul. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.